podcast aims to bring the sermon from our Sunday morning service to you each and every week. We're currently in our sermon series, Next. The best is yet to come. For the past 20 years of Rolling Hills, we have seen God do more than we could ever imagine. Countless lives have been impacted for eternity. Many have professed their faith through baptism. Adults and children have grown in their faith through discipleship. Campuses have been launched in communities all throughout Middle Tennessee. And the vulnerable and the least have been served throughout the world. God has shown up time and time again, and now we faithfully look ahead to what is next for His church, knowing that it's not about us and our future, but about God and His perfect plan. Our prayer is that this will be a season that we look back on and see as one where God grew and stretched His people in ways He never has before. We're believing we will see restored relationships, miracles happen right before our eyes, radical salvations, and prodigals returning home. We believe for all of this and more. In this series, we're walking through the book of Nehemiah and how God's call on His people in that day is one He still has for us in 2023. May He find us faithful as we step forward, trusting that the best truly is yet to come. So listen in as we jump into what the Lord has for us today. Uh, well, good morning. Good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so great to be together today. Worship was awesome. And just being in the Lord's presence. And I love that we can do that together. Welcome everybody here at our Franklin campus. Welcome to our online campus. Our God is at work in this place. And today we come to the culmination of an incredible series called Next. And we've been challenging one another to take a next step in our spiritual journey. We've said that things that are alive grow right? I mean, they grow, right? Plants and everything else, things that are alive, grow. But things that are dead don't grow. So spiritually, we ought to be growing. Spiritually, we're taking a next step for the glory of God. And it's been awesome in this series to watch so many people committing their lives to Christ or being baptized, taking big steps of faith or joining the church or serving, right? Or getting into a community group or a men's or women's study. But then it's those small incremental steps of faith. Right? It's, it's the praying daily. It's reading God's word. It's the generosity as God works on our hearts and in our lives to grow us to be fully mature disciples of his. Now, as a church, God's calling us to take a big next step. Right? We've had 20 incredible years as a church. We celebrated at the Ryman. I mean, amazing what God's done. From 15 people in an apartment clubhouse, doing a Bible study on Thursday nights. Right? But God said, I'm not finished with you, church. And now he's calling us to step into the next 20 years, to step into the next generation, the next ministry, the next mission, the next one. And so in this series, we've been tracking with this guy in the Old Testament named Nehemiah. And man, I love this guy. I love his faith, right? I mean, Nehemiah, as we saw, he was the cupbearer to the king. I mean, King Artaxerxes. I mean, this guy's got a big job. He's wealthy. He's successful. We know from antiquities he was good looking. He was handsome, right? He spoke multiple languages. He interfaced with all kinds of kings. And then his brother comes back from Jerusalem and says, hey, Nehemiah, the walls of Jerusalem are broken down. Jerusalem, the city of God, is a disgrace. It's not even a city anymore, man. It's an outpost. And Nehemiah, he could have stayed there and been comfortable. But he said, no, he said, God, I want to join you. God, I want to go back and do something great for your glory in my day and my generation. And Nehemiah did. He went 800 miles and he joined with the people there. And together they said, hey, let's start to rebuild the walls. 
Let's do something great for God. And they started working. And we've seen over the past several weeks as we've gone chapter by chapter through Nehemiah, we've seen that they overcame opposition, right? They had the Arabs still today, right? You, you see the opposition there. You, you see, man, they, they overcame the internal opposition, the discouragement, the fear, the worry. They overcame the distractions that were kept the walls broken down for 70 years that nobody did anything. And together they came together and they rebuilt the walls in 52 days. <laughs> Guys, since we started our study, today is day 52. 52 days. What can we do for the glory of God today? What can we do together to impact the next generation for the glory of God? That's what God's calling us to today. If you have a Bible with you, I want to invite you open with me to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 10. Nehemiah chapter 10. Nehemiah back Old Testament, right? You got Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, that whole section right there in the Old Testament. If you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. Love for you to grab a Bible. If you're online, go ahead and pull out, you know, a mobile device, pull out your computer, pull out your phone. But we've got the scriptures there at the Church Center app. But Nehemiah chapter 10. Now we left off last week, right, with they rebuilt the walls. They put the gates in place there in Jerusalem. And then we saw that Nehemiah did this amazing thing. He said, guys, if we don't get our hearts right, the walls are just going to become rubble again, right? If we give in to all the distractions, we're going to go back and just rebuild our houses and go to the fields, and it's going to be in ruins again. And so he had Ezra, the high priest, come and stand on a wooden platform in the center of the community, and Ezra reads the book of the law. He reads the first five books of the Old Testament to all the people. And then the people confessed their sins, right? They had this worship service, this dedication time. And then at the end of chapter 10, it says this, the people of Israel, including the Levites. Now, whenever you see Levites in the Bible, you got the priest and then you have the Levites. The Levites are the ones who serve there at the temple. They do the work of God. They're the core team members, right? They're the ones who they're like, hey, how can I serve? What can I be a part of? So the people of Israel, including the Levites, are to bring their contributions of grain, new wine, and olive oil to the storerooms where the articles for the sanctuary and for the ministering priest, the gatekeepers and the musicians are also kept. And so Nehemiah, they have this prayer, this worship time. And then he goes, guys, listen, don't forget, right? As we go forward, you continue to bring your tithe, the first fruits of your harvest. You bring the first 10% back to be able to to bless the house of God, to be able to do the work of the God right here in Jerusalem. And, and then the people together in unison said this, we will not neglect the house of our God. Can you imagine all the people coming together and they're going, you're right. We will not neglect the house of our God. And they didn't. 400 years later, right? Jerusalem becomes this thriving city. It's still a thriving city today, the most important city in the world today, right? Because of the sacrifice of these people in that time. But 400 years later, this is the last book chronologically in the Old Testament. Jesus will come walking through those walls that they helped build. The Messiah, the first coming, Yeshua, comes through there. He's dedicated at the temple. He dies on a cross and he is resurrected, and the early church is born. Wow, their sacrifice mattered, and so does ours. 
If you look in chapter 11, man, they write out the names of all the people, all the people who were involved and what they did. And then go to chapter 12. We're finishing Nehemiah today and there's so much good stuff here. But look at chapter 12 right here. The dedication of the wall of Jerusalem. It says in verse 27, at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. So they said, hey guys, we're gonna have a giant dedication time, a giant commitment time. Everybody come joyfully. So everybody comes from all over. The musicians were brought together from the region around Jerusalem. So everybody comes, man. I mean, this is gonna be awesome, right? They come there. And then look at verse 31. Nehemiah says, I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was proceed on top of the wall to the right toward the Dungate. So Nehemiah is like, I got a couple of choirs, right? And we got the choirs together and we had one choir going one way, verse 38. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction and I followed them. Nehemiah was like, I was up on top of that wall. I was on top of that wall. I followed them together with half the people past the Tower of Ovens to the broad wall. Now, if you go to Jerusalem today, you can still see the walls, right? And you still see the walls there. And you can imagine them going with these two choirs around the walls, meeting over there in the middle where the temple is on that side. And they're worshiping, they're praising God, they're dedicating the wall, they're prayer walking there. It says in verse 40, the two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. And so did I, together with half the officials. And then verse 43, on that day, they offered great sacrifices. On that day, they offered great. They were so excited. See, you have your tithes, right? You give our first 10%. We all do our first 10% back to God, right? But then there's times when God just moves in a mighty way. There's times when God does something big and you just go, I just want to give a sacrifice. I want to give a praise. I want to give a gift of worship, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. You have great joy today? You have great joy today? Have you thought about all that God's done in your life today? The gift of salvation, the gift of Jesus, your family, your friends. These guys just celebrate. These guys worship because God had given them great joy. Look, the women and children also rejoiced. I love that. You know, back then it was more of a patriarchal society. But no, no, not with the family of God. Everybody's important, right? The women leading the way. The children leading the way. They're raising up the next generation. The children rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. I love that. The praise could be heard. I mean, people are all these other nations going, whoa, what is going on, right? These people are excited about what God's doing. The wall has been rebuilt. And then chapter 13 is the end of Nehemiah. It really sums up his life. And there's four prayers that he gives in Nehemiah 13 that really define him and his ministry and his heart. It says first in verse 14, remember me for this, my God, and do not blot out what I have so faithfully done for the house of my God and its services. And then verse 22, he says, remember me for this also, my God, and show mercy to me according to your great love. And then over here in verse 29, he says, remember them, my God, because they've defiled 
the priestly office and the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. And then the last sentence, the last words of Nehemiah, remember me with favor, my God. Isn't that awesome? Nehemiah lived his life for the glory of God. He made a difference. He made an impact that we're still feeling today. And I pray that for every one of us. We wouldn't miss it. We would understand the opportunity that we have, that we've been given right here, right now. And we would do it all for the glory of God. Hey, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I would love for you to write down. Man, this is so good. If you've got a worship guide with you, if you're online, you can go to the Church Center app and there's a place to take notes there as well. But man, I'd love for you just to write some things down with me. First of all, notice this. Nehemiah was faithful to God his entire life. I mean, when you sum up the book of Nehemiah, that's what you see. Nehemiah was faithful to God for his entire life. Write his first prayer. Remember me for this, my God, and do not blot out what I have so faithfully done for the house of my God and its services. Right? Faithful. Stay faithful to the end. See, we must decide what we're going to be faithful to. Every one of us, we have to decide, what am I going to be faithful to? Now, there's some people who are faithful, right? I mean, they're just unbelievably faithful. They're like Green Bay Packers fans. Green Bay Packers fans are faithful, right? I'm talking faithful, man, or maybe Cleveland Browns fans. Maybe that's the same. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? It, it, good times or hard times. It doesn't matter if it's snowing or sleeting at Lambeau. They're out there like, yeah, let's go. You know, right? I mean, they are faithful. I mean, they're the ones that take their shirts off out there. It's like 20 below, man. And you're like, they're faithful. They are faithful fans, right? And, and we look at that and like, wow, that's amazing. You know, they're the ones who die. They put the cheese head on, right? Even in the coffin, man, I'm going to be faithful. Well, whatever it is, right? We have to decide what we're going to be faithful to. And, and you spend a lot of time and a lot of money on Packers games and tickets, but man, they are faithful in Jersey after Jersey. You know, it's just like, I'm going to be faithful. This is where I'm committed. Maybe you've got an alma mater, man, you're just faithful, right? You know, I'm always pulling for my team, man. I want my team to win. I'm going to stay with them whether they win or they lose and they lose more than they win right now. And so, but I'm going to be there, right? I'm a fan. I'll tell you, I am faithful to Chick-fil-A. I am. I just got to tell you, you can give me four fast food restaurants. I'm going Christian chicken every time. I mean, it's just the way it is, right? I mean, like, I know it's going to be good. I know it's going to get, you know, service. Yeah, I, I just know I'm going to be faithful, right? And then maybe it's just like, that's it, right? But, you know, you pick it and you just kind of know what, what is that, you know, for you. And, and there's other things. I mean, I've got other restaurants. That I get, that's it. I'm just going to go there. I mean, if it's going to be a blizzard, I'm going. That's the best dessert in the world, right? I mean, whatever it is, whatever you are faithful to, you're going to go and you're going to be there. But you're going to invest. You know, I mean, I've spent a lot of time and money there at those restaurants, right? And I'm going to invest there. And you have to say, what am I going to be faithful to? What am I going to be faithful to? Where am I going to put my time and my energy and my money? What am I going to be faithful to? And I'll tell you this, Nehemiah said he's going to be faithful to God. And in my life, when I come to the end of my days, there's going to be four things I pray that people go, man, he was faithful. One, I want to be faithful to Jesus. <laughs> you know, when I accepted Christ at eight years old, I said, I'm never going to turn back. And never have, never regrets. I'm just going to follow him. I'm going to trust Jesus, no matter the good times or the hard times in my life, you know? I'm going to be faithful to my wife. <laughs> I love my wife. I'm so proud of her. I'm so thankful for her. She's beautiful. I love her. I'm going to be faithful to her in my dying days. I'm going to be faithful to my wife. I'm going to be faithful to my kids. I love my kids. I love my kids. I'm so proud of them. 
I am so proud. There's nothing they can do. They're not going to be my kids. I'm going to love them. And I'm going to be faithful to God's church. I really believe that God's church is going to impact this world. I believe the only hope of revival that we have in this land, in this world, is God's church. I'm going to be faithful to God's church. Listen, Nehemiah faithfully built the house of God. He could have stayed back there in the palace. He could have just been wealthy, and he could have said, it's all about me. He would have died off. We'd have never even heard of him. (laughs) He said, no, I want to do something that's going to outlast me. I want to be faithful to God's house. I want to be faithful to God's house. And aren't we thankful? He, his, his sacrifice still impacts us today. See, as God's church, we must be faithful. Guys, we are a link in the chain. There are people who have gone before us who have sacrificed. Your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, right? There are people who have been faithful to God's church during wars and pandemics. There's been people who are just faithful. There's been people who have built churches with their own hands. Like, go work in the fields all day and then come and let's build God's church in the middle of our city, in the middle of a community. And those generations come to us. It's been said the church is one generation away from extinction, and it's not going to be on our watch because <laughs> we're going to be faithful. See, here's the thing. Nehemiah knew that he would be judged by God one day. Nehemiah knew that he'd be judged by God one day. He says this, remember me for this also, my God, and show me mercy according to your great love (laughs) we'll all stand before god one day every one of us right the mortality rate today it's 100 percent, right it's just gonna happen right we don't like to talk about it but the fact is it's gonna happen and and what are we gonna say before god i'll tell you there's gonna be two judgments there's gonna be two judgments uh in january 24 we're gonna do a whole series on heaven you don't want to miss it it's gonna be powerful but but the first is gonna be this jesus is gonna look at us he's gonna say right god's gonna say what did you do with my son jesus christ Every one of us has to give an answer. What did we do with Jesus? Did we accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior? Or did we say no? Did we put him on the shelf? Did we move him to the side and say, I'm going to live my life for myself? Was there ever a time that you committed your life to Christ? If not, why not today? (laughs) Most important decision of your life, committing your life to Christ. Then there'll be a second judgment. And he'll say, right, you can go to Matthew 25. He separates the sheep from the goats. He'll turn to the sheep. He'll say, what did you do with what you were given? What did you do with what you were given? Did you use it for the glory of God or was it just for you? So there'll be two judgments that we'll see. Now listen to this. We all want to be judged by God's love. We all want to be judged by God's love. Nehemiah said, remember me, right? By your mercy and your love. You see, we don't want God's justice because we've all sinned. We've all blown it. Every one of us knows that. We may not have murdered somebody, but we know the thoughts that we've had in our minds. But we can stand before God in love. A lot of people will say, well, how did the people in the Old Testament, how were they saved, right, before Jesus? Well, see, they were looking forward to Jesus. We're looking back to Jesus. Jesus, the defining moment of all history, the cross. And so you've got Abraham, right? You've got David, you've got Nehemiah, those guys that were looking and saying, hey, I want it to be about my relationship with God. It's not about religion, Religion is man trying to get to God. Relationship is God coming to us. And we'll be judged, I pray, by God's love because you have a relationship with God through Jesus, his son. See, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is what people need to hear, right? So many people think it's about religion when it's about this relationship. That's why it says in Ephesians, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. (laughs) 
It's a gift of God. But you have to receive that gift. You have to receive that gift. And so here it is, right? As the church today, where else are people going to hear the good news of Jesus? CNN? No. Right? No. Internet? No. Are you kidding me, right? Public school? No, it's the church. We're the ones that share the good news. We're the ones that tell people about Jesus. We're the ones that share with the next generation for the glory of God. Nehemiah got it, and I pray we will too. Nehemiah called the people to be holy, to be holy before God. Ah, this is a big one, right? His third prayer, he says, Remember them, my God, because they defiled the priestly office and the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. They defiled it, right? The walls were broken down for 70 years. They didn't do anything for the house of God. It was all about them, and they're building their house and their things and stuff. They defiled it. Remember that. Listen, holy means to be set apart. Holy means to be set apart. Holy means to be different. As a people of God, we should be different, right? Our lives should look different. The way we invest our time and our money, our energy, it should be different. Uh, recently, a, a lady in our church was telling us about her teenage daughter, right? And, and, and she said that her daughter said this. She goes, Mom, it's not my fault, right? You know, it's not like I go looking for bougie. Bougie just finds me, right? You know, it's like, it just bougies there all the time, right? And, and I was cracking up at that. And I was thinking, yeah, bougie finds me too, right? I mean, it's like on your phone and you're looking, I got to look like this. I got to dress like this, right? I got to have that car. I got to have this. It's just like bougies all around us, right? And, and there's this whole thing in the world that says, man, come look like this. Come do this. Come be this. And at some point we got to go, hold on, time out. I am a child of God. <laughs> and my life should look different, right? Now I want to be in style. I want to stay up to date. I want to do those. But, but listen, man, my priorities are different. I'm called to be holy. Now we're not perfect people. None of us are. We all make mistakes. We all do different things. But listen, we are called to be holy people. We're called to be set apart. We're called to be different. Even God says in First Peter chapter one, he says, be holy because I am holy. <laughs> be holy because I'm holy. So we have to decide, is my life looking more like the world or is my life looking more like Jesus? <laughs> and not that I'm perfect, man. I have a long way to go, right? But are you growing in holiness? Are you growing in holiness? I was recently uh, with a guy who was talking about speaking at the Asbury Revivals. Man, you may have heard about the Asbury Revivals. It was awesome. I'm praying revival would just sweep across our land in a powerful way. But he said before you could speak, right, they had what was called the consecration room. And you went to the consecration room and they start saying, hey, um, what sins do you have in your life? What unconfessed sins are going on in your heart? Before you get on that stage, you, you, know, you, you need to confess. You need to be holy, right? And he said, man, I sat in that, in that room for about an hour and I was just done. I was like, oh my goodness. And Nehemiah knew, right? Nehemiah knew the world can creep in so quickly. But for us to be holy, for us to be different, for us to be set apart as God's people today, for us to be people of love, for us to be people of grace, Here's the thing. Nehemiah left a legacy for the glory of God. He left a legacy for the glory of God. Oh, I love that about this guy. He says, remember me with favor, my God. Remember me with favor, my God. He lived his entire life, man. I just want to leave a legacy. I want to leave a legacy. See, Nehemiah was personally invested. I mean, like, listen, he could have sat back there in the palace and gone, 
hey, I'm going to just write down some instructions for those people. You know, you guys go do that, and, and, and that's good, right? Or I'll just kick back, and it's 800 miles away. I don't have to get involved. No, 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 no. Nehemiah went, right? He strapped on the sword. He got the shovel. He started going to work. He invested personally. He sacrificed. You know, I was thinking about the other day. Look, I've never regretted being generous. I just haven't. I've never regretted being involved in the things of God. I've regretted a lot of purchases I've had in my life, right? A lot of things I'm like, why did I buy that? What was I thinking, right? Three months later, you're like, what? You know, buyer's remorse. You're like, what was I doing? But I've never regretted being generous. I've never regretted when somebody needed help, you know, and you're like stepping in. I've never regretted being a part of God's church. I've just never regretted that. And the fact comes down to this is what legacy are you going to leave? What legacy are you leaving? I mean, when your kids look at your life one day, when your grandkids look at your life, when your friends or your neighbors, when they look at your life and they go, man, this person was faithful too. (laughs) They were so passionate about what legacy are we leaving? What difference are we making? What will the people who come behind us see in us as God's people today? You know, for us as a church, right? Uh, we've just seen God do miracles. I mean, I got to tell you, I, I, it's been unbelievable. There's a guy at our church. He goes, man, I never saw miracles until I started coming to Rolling Hills. I've just seen miracle after miracle. But I remember our very first capital campaign. We were meeting in the movie theater, right? And, and we, were, we didn't know what to do. And, and so we just said, hey, everybody pray and stretch. And, and we had a, a guy go around and we did like this little interview and we had a camera and we said, hey, what's your wildest dream for God's church today? And, and it was amazing. People would go, uh, my wildest dream is to have a place where we don't have to set up a teardown anymore, okay? You know, like, I'm tired of sweating. We're rolling out baby beds and carpets, right, and sound equipment. I just want to have a place, you know? And other people would say, man, I want to have a place that I can invite my friends. I want my friends to accept Christ. I want to I have a place where my kids have a spiritual foundation. I want to I have a place where we can have a learning center. I want to have a place where we have discipleship. I want to have a place. All these things were going around. I want to have a place where people are baptized every week. And, and we were getting so excited. And then they came to my four-year-old daughter, Grace, and they said, Grace, what's your wildest dream? And she said, a purple slide. <laughs> purple slide you're like where did that come from and we we're like great a purple slide and she goes like yeah and and we we're like why and she goes well i want my friends to come and have fun at church and i was just like that's great we're gonna work on it you know <laughs> we're gonna we'll figure it out but oh yeah we didn't have any money right and so by god's grace you know we stretched there at the movie theater and we gave we had Wilboro down front and we all came and I'll never forget that morning about 200 families we came we committed we gave and you know what that day they called the finance team and said hey you wouldn't believe it Jeff but the church just gave one million dollars it's like what there's no way right there's no way and like yeah and, and you guys you're sitting in a miracle <laughs> You're sitting in here, we don't have to set up every day, every day, every Sunday, right? We have a learning center. We have kids giving their lives to Christ. It was unbelievable. And Grace kept asking for the purple slide. And we were like, well, baby, we got to have classrooms. You know, we got to have this and that. And then there was a lady who served in our kids' ministry named Sarah Zell. And Sarah, uh, Sarah was in a wheelchair. She was born with brittle bone disease. And, and, and Sarah would come every week, right? She graduated magna cum laude from Vanderbilt. She got her master's from Peabody. She worked at Vanderbilt University. And every Sunday, she would roll in in her wheelchair to teach kids. Every single Sunday. 
And she'd be back there, and the kids would all be surrounding her, wheelchair. They loved Miss Sarah. Everybody loved Miss Sarah. I love Miss Sarah, you know. And, and they would say, Miss Sarah, why don't you have legs? You know? She said, well, you know what? God gives some people legs, and some people he gives wheels. I got the wheels. <laughs> she would turn, do circles. They would do, oh, they were so excited. She taught our kids so much about inclusion and making a difference. And I'll never forget as Sarah got sick you know, about eight years ago. And she called me and I went over and I was meeting with her and she goes, you know what? I want my legacy to be what I did for the kids at Rolling Hills and the kids who will come and the kids in our community. I want them to come. I want them to love church. And in her will, she gave the money to build this. And it was seven years after that time, but we got a purple slide. And Grace was fifth grade so it was kind of big to go down it but her sisters went down and many of your kids went down it because somebody said i want to make a difference for the glory of god you know as a church we just kept trusting the lord man we just kept trusting the lord and i remember you know we had a time when we were giving our tithes and we said let's give an offering so we could build a baptistry and out there we we took rocks and we wrote people's names on them and we put them in that foundation of that baptistry out there and every time somebody's baptized i always think I wonder if their name was on that rock. I wonder if somebody was already praying for them and their name was on that rock. You see, guys, we're not building a wall. <laughs> we're building God's church. We're not building a wall. We're building God's church that will impact lives long after us. We're impacting the next 20 years. We're impacting the next generation, the next ministry, the next mission, the next one. And that next one could be your child or your future child. A guy texted me about four weeks ago, and he, he said this. He said, hey, I'm in the delivery room. I just delivered my precious baby. She came into my arms, and I have my next wristband on. Here's a picture of the next one. <laughs> I just thought, wow. You know, I think about how many kids will be dedicated because of what happens today. I think about how many children will be born. I think about how many children will be discipled. I think about the children who have a future knowing that Jesus Christ is with them and for them. And whatever comes in the world, whatever they faced, that they will have a spiritual foundation in Christ and in Christ alone. I think about Bible studies that will happen as we commit today. I think about the marriages that will be strengthened, the marriages that will be encouraged. I think about the, the men who will be called to be godly husbands and fathers and men after the heart of God. I think about what God will do in women and moms and grandmoms who will impact generations. I think about the children that will be raised up to be the next followers of Jesus and to build God's church in generations that we won't see, but they'll go before us to leave a legacy for the glory of God. Guys, this is our time. This is your time. You know, in your chair today, there's a commitment card. I want to ask you to pull that out. I want you just to think about it, and I want you to pray about it. Some of you, you, you're already ready. You know, we've been talking about this for 52 days, and you've been like, man, I'm ready. Let's go, you know. And, but today is that commitment day, that commitment Sunday. And I'm going to ask you right now, worship team's going to just be playing behind, but, but if you'll put your name on there, and maybe you want to pray individually, maybe you want to pray with your spouse, maybe you want to pray with your family, but say, God, how do you want me to invest in the next 20 years? How do you want me to invest in the next generation? How do you want me to invest in the next ministry, the next mission? How do you want me to invest in the next one? And you can just write your name on here. And then there's this commitment information. 
And our goal has been 100% participation. Our goal is, man, what can we do with the body of Christ? If you look at Nehemiah, everybody built the wall. Goldsmiths, perfume makers, dads, daughters, everybody's serving together. And it's not equal gifts, it's equal sacrifice. But as we look over three tax years, as we look at the end of 23, as we look into 24 and 25, what could you do? You know, for Lisa and I, we're in. <laughs> it's our sixth campaign, and we're giving more than we've ever given. We just believe we are more passionate, more invested today than ever. We love you. We love you, church. And so, we're, man, we want to make a commitment about the end of the year, and then we're doing monthly at 24 and 25. We're going to stretch. We added all that up together, and we put it on that line right there. Here's what I'm committing. Here's what I'm doing. And this morning, we're going to have a chance to come to these wheelbarrows that are around and to join with a generation of Christ followers who've gone before us and make a commitment to build God's church. We will not neglect the house of our God. Guys, today's a holy moment. And I just want you to think as you pray, we're going to give you time to pray, to think. But think about the kids. Think about the lives. Think about the generations who will grow up knowing that there's a Jesus who loves them, knowing that they have a home in heaven, and knowing that their lives are eternally changed because of what happens right here in this moment. So, Father God, here we are, your disciples. God, you brought us together today. It's not an accident that any of us are here. God, we were born in different places in the country, but, Father, at this time, right now, you have brought us here to hear from you. And so I pray, Father, today that, God, we would be generous. I pray, Father, today that we would trust, knowing, God, that as we make a commitment, it's going to impact our own family. It's going to impact generations. It's going to impact our country. It will impact orphan children around the world. And so, Father, we trust you right now. And, God, we commit to these next 20 years to you. Take what is given today, bless it, multiply it, and use it, Father, to build your church. And it's in the beautiful, holy name of Jesus that we pray and worship right now. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family in your life who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download Church Center, our Rolling Hills app. Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.